Welcome to the Inspired Wave. This is the podcast and community for conscious female leaders and founders who are ready to enjoy more peace and prosperity in their business while creating more inspired impact in the lives we're all here to serve, who are ready to fully step into their leadership and live their life's purpose with confidence and passion. I'm your host, C.J. Rivard, and with over 30 years in business and leadership, I blend tactical strategies with the art of intuition, science of energetics, and the magic that happens when we create empowered relationships and take aligned action. And this is all to help women get out of hustle mode and really fall in love with what they do. Registration is now open for the Rising Tide Sisterhood. This is the affordable, high-vibe community for going deep into expanding your intuition, energetic self-mastery, and gaining momentum in creating your goals and dreams. Be sure to check out the link in the show notes for all the juicy details and our very special holiday offer that's just available for a short time. Well, hi there. Welcome to the show. So today's topic is going to be a little unpopular with some of you because we're going to be digging into mindful leadership and how meditation is not the best tool to get you there. In fact, for some people, it distracts and delays them because it's taking them away from the really important work that needs to get done. So whether you've practiced meditation before, you love it or you hate it, I hope you'll stick with me for this conversation because you're going to want to hear it. So what do I mean by mindful leadership and why should you care about it anyway? So the organization mindful.org defines mindfulness as the basic human ability to be fully present in the now, aware of where we are, what we're doing, and not be overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on. So if you think about that definition, it sounds a lot like having a high emotional intelligence, doesn't it? The goal of being mindful as leaders is to be able to have a deep awareness of ourselves and others so that we can manage both ourselves and our interaction with others toward the best possible outcomes. So that is the goal of emotional intelligence and the goal for all leaders. So if we are mindful, it's a win-win for all of that. So back to meditation. Many people develop a meditation practice for the purpose of enhancing their awareness, which is important, and relieving stress so that they can be in more of a calm state. Sounds great. And meditation can definitely help with that. But if you think about the goals there, awareness and calmness are the goal. Doesn't it make sense to practice this in your daily life right out of the gate because that's where you're going to be challenged and it's going to be hard. It's not as hard 
to practice awareness and being calm if you're by yourself in a quiet room. Am I right? So, and don't get me wrong, I'm not very good at stilling my monkey mind and staying in a meditative state for very long. So I do admire people that can do it. But when it comes to mindfulness at work, the real challenge is in the workplace. So that's where we need to lean in and practice. So both methods, I just want to stress this, both methods can be effective, but bringing your awareness into your daily life is going to be the fastest route. Now, if you want to work with meditation, or maybe you already do, I just want to stress that more doesn't equate to better. This is another example of where the benefits are not exponential the more you do it. All you need to reap the benefits is 20 minutes, three to four times a week. That's it. So if you would like to explore meditation, it's not an overwhelming thing. All of us can find an hour and a half to do it. So I'm going to leave that there with you. If you want to do it, it's not going to hurt anything, but you don't need to escape into it for a long time. You know, if we if we do something, anything like that a lot, it's taking us away from other things that we probably should be doing, but maybe we don't enjoy as much, right? So think about that. And if you have a meditative practice, what are your goals from it? And can you do it in less time and then go out into the world and practice? maintaining your calm or your zen, as people say, as you're interacting with annoying people. (laughs) And we all know some of those. Well, I guess annoying is a perspective that we can all work on. It's just a belief. I'm sure they don't think they're annoying. So there you have it. Shift our perspective. I also want to point out that if you are at a point where your consciousness level and frequency is already at a high state of 500,000 bioenergy units or more, you are not going to have any benefit from meditation because you're already at a high level of consciousness you're not going to have any more benefits from it. So if you are curious about where your frequency is and would like to find out, I have a link in the show notes I invite you to check out where I've included a short training on how you can measure your frequency. And I've also included a new chart for the levels of consciousness because the old charts are really out of date now. So I encourage you to take a look at that if you don't have one already. So I want to share my recommended approach and what the quickest way is for you to raise your awareness in your day-to-day life and be mindful, be more mindful. So like anything else, any other skill we develop, we have to practice awareness. So this is the trick. This is what the little tip I'm going to give you here. If you find yourself feeling an unpleasant emotion like stress, anger, sadness, 
disappointment, whatever emotions bubble up in the office turmoil, I invite you to welcome that as a sign for you to pay attention to. Because it means your thoughts on something, you've turned your attention to something that does not serve you. So think about that for a minute. Remember that your thoughts create the feelings. They don't just come from nowhere. Your thoughts create the feelings. So if you're feeling something unpleasant, it's because you have turned your attention to thoughts that are not serving you. So there's two things you can do about this when you notice. So the first step's awareness, and that's 90% of the battle. You become aware that you feel in a way you don't want to feel. So you notice what the thought is, and then you can either turn your attention to a different, happier thought, or you can shift your perspective. So one quick, easy hack that I teach with this is if, and you can even do this at the office, even if you can't get, you know, away or alone, if you notice that you're getting stressed or anxious, let's say you are anticipating a conversation you don't want to have. I think that happens a lot in the workplace. If you're getting stressed or anxious, take a few calming deep breaths and turn your attention to something you're grateful for. Just real quick, even just for a minute, it's going to bring you right back down to a state of calm. That's all you need to do, but first you have to notice that you're going there. Turn your attention and bring it back to gratitude, which is going to bring you back to the current moment instead of letting your monkey mind take you down paths of what if, what if, oh, this is going to be awful kind of a scenario. It does no good to go down those rabbit holes most of the time. Now, the other thing you can do is shift your perspective. So I have to acknowledge there are times when we have to think about something that is anxiety producing or perhaps disappointment or anger producing, and you have to think about it. So in this case, again, you know, the situation, the thoughts, the people, they're all neutral until we put our shift or perspective on it. So I invite you to think about what your perspective is of that circumstance or that person that's causing you to feel the way you're feeling. And then see, because remember, there's always dozens of different perspectives and ways we can look at something. Our way is just one way. And I'm not saying your way's wrong, but if it's causing you anxiety or something else you don't want to feel, I invite you to get curious and explore other perspectives. And if any of those other perspectives would help you move forward with the thought process without experiencing that unpleasant feeling, whatever it is. So think into that. It does require a little practice. Like I said, like any skill, it requires practice. But with some practice, you're going to be able to bring yourself back to a more calm state. And this is a great skill for every leader, not just to have, but to expand upon. Because we can all get better, right? We all have those little triggers, no matter how long 
we've been practicing this. There are new situations that'll bubble up and all of a sudden you'll notice something triggering you that you need to work on again because it's a slightly different situation as an example. So we can always develop and work on this skill. But when you learn to manage your thoughts, you will stay more calm. And when you're calm, you can think through and respond to situations in a more appropriate manner. So you're not reacting. You're thinking it through and you're responding in a way that enables you to eliminate conflict or potential conflict and to create the best possible outcomes for everyone. And isn't that what we want as leaders? Always. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. Usually that's just a perspective as well. But we want the best possible outcome for everyone. We want to find that win-win and we have to maintain our calm and be a mindful leader in order to do that. So the other skill I want to point out here that you're going to need to develop, you, you may already have it, but this is an important skill. So let me explain this and you can think through it for a minute. It's the skill of reflection. There are two really important areas we need to develop in order to reflect once we create the awareness. We have to do something with it, right? And so the next step is reflection. So there's two things we need to lean into. The first is just, this isn't a belief, this is a fact, but we need to embrace this fact that everyone else's words and actions are beyond our control and have nothing to do with us. Now I get it. If you're a leader, you absolutely are responsible for influencing others and for managing expectations and a lot of other things, but we cannot control someone else's behavior or their thoughts or the words that come out of their mouth sometimes or all the time. So if you can accept that and embrace it, it can be very freeing and immediately reduce the stress or anxiety that you might be feeling because what they have done or said is not really about you, even though they say it is. It's not about you and you cannot control them. So that's a really important perspective shift for most of us, right? Because we frequently, like it's part of our human condition to always make it about us. <laughs> and that is not a helpful perspective for us to hang on to. So the second thing I want to point out is that we have to have both, and this may sound like too extreme, but we want to have both high self-esteem and be able to be humble. Those are both really, really important attributes for a leader to develop and I'm sure you have known people who seem like you can't tell them anything, they know everything, and they can do no wrong. And that could be the case, and they could have a really large ego, which is not a good thing to have in leadership. But the other extreme, and sometimes it's masked, the other extreme that I think is more the case is that Many of us don't have 
high enough self-esteem so that we're able to really look at and reflect on what's going on around us and not take it personally and not feel badly if perhaps we made a mistake or we find an area where we need to lean in and improve. It takes a certain amount of self-esteem and confidence to admit as a leader that we're wrong and that we can get better and do better. So if you can embrace that while still being humble, have high enough self-esteem to be okay with the fact that you're going to find things you need to improve. And it's okay. And it's also okay to admit when you make a mistake. So if you can embrace that, you are set up for success when it comes to the power of reflecting, because there is no benefit in having awareness if we can't reflect and then learn from our mistakes or what's going on, what we're perceiving, and then shift and do better, change our approach, whatever it takes. There's no point in gathering that information and that awareness if we can't act on it. So this is an important couple of beliefs and skills that we need to develop. So I invite you to think into this one and see if you could be at one of those extremes. And I will say that when I started my leadership career, From the outside, I probably looked like I had a lot of ego. And from the inside, I know I didn't have enough self-esteem. I was extremely assertive when I was a young woman in leadership. Very, I mean, I'm sure I was following the models that I had around me, all of the older men. And I was embracing that male style of leadership. I was very assertive and sometimes combative with, you know, peers or other department or division heads rather than being nurturing and collaborative, which I know now is usually a much more effective approach. But I didn't have the self-esteem in that case to pull back and reflect and notice that my approach could be improved and it was not the most helpful. So it's important as we go, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, we are not born great leaders. We have to develop these skills. And so we have to recognize where we need to lean in and develop. It's really critical for the benefit of everyone, not just ourselves, obviously, but our businesses that we're leading and the teams that we're leading and the customers or clients that we're interacting with. We have to develop these skills. So just as a quick recap, I would like to highlight for you some big benefits, I think, to embracing and expanding your mindful leadership. So the first one is that you will raise your frequency, which means you're going to be happier and you're going to be more magnetic to your goals. So that's a double win, right? 
The second benefit is you're going to reduce your stress levels and enjoy more peace everywhere in your life. A lot of the skills that I've talked about, you typically would not just develop them at work. Once you start practicing mindfulness, it's going to be hugely helpful outside of work as well. So you will experience more calm and peace everywhere in your life. The third benefit is you are going to just, because it's the way it is, as a mindful leader, you will create a more trusting and empowered team. And we know that makes for a more productive team, which is a win all the way around. And then the last benefit I want to highlight, number four, is that you'll be able to expand your impact more quickly and create more prosperity through your business. So, and I know everybody wants that. So it's just a win all the way around. There is no downside to developing your mindfulness as a leader. So that's all I wanted to share with you today. I'd love to hear your questions or your top takeaways from this episode. And I invite you to come in and join our Facebook group so we can continue the conversation over there. I truly appreciate you tuning in today and being here with me. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. And if you've enjoyed the show, please consider taking a quick minute to leave us a five-star review. It would go a long way toward others finding us. Make it a great day.